0: wonderful to be here and and to learn about transfiguration and actually my someone will be around that that theme but it is it is a blessing for me just these few minutes that brother lens shared with the kids how much I learned that I didn't even, that crossed my mind when I was preparing. Simple and clear, so thank you. I sometimes ask, well, I tell myself, maybe, you know, we we think kids are learning here, but we are learning too, as grown-ups. And it's like an appetizer for God's word. Let's pray. God, you are good. And your mercies endures forever. And this day is no exception. We are here to experience your power, your glory. And we desire that as I I open my mouth you will reveal that which you desire children to hear today and begin with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to I want to start by helping you to gaze into an activity I had this week, and that was one of the activities. I had several of them, but one of the activities I had was joining other men, other, other men, or let me say men, in Bible study on Thursday. It's, 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 it begins around 11 and goes around uh, midday, uh, sometimes a quarter past midday. I want you to gazing into that, and I just want to let you know that when we went there, we, we had an interesting uh, study, and this study was in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 5 and 6, and it's a story about how the Ark of the Covenant that was captured by Philistines uh, was taken to Ashdod, but it became a, a, a destroyer for the, not only for the God of, uh, of the feastings, but also the lives of people. And so it talks about that, how the, the, the not how much about the, the covenant was captured, the, the covenant the Ark of the Covenant was captured. it talks about the implication of it being in the land of Fistines, but also how they in chapter six, how they tried to um, to lead off to to make sure that the, the, the covenant is taken back where it came from so he was Agreed that in order to stop this death, they have to take this uh, covenant back to a city, to, to a land um, of the Judah of Judah called um, Beth Shemesh. Literally, it means the sun, uh, the land of the sun. And so it was upon arriving um, that the people of Beth Shemesh rejoiced. And the high priest had to come and uh, sacrifice to the Lord. Um, But it was about something that went, um, that we are about to hear, that shocked me on that day. On chapter six, verse 19 to 20, the Bible says, but God struck down some of the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, putting 70 of them to death because they looked into the ark of the Lord. The people mourned because of the heavy blow the land had dealt with, uh, had dealt them. And the people of Beth Shemesh asked who can stand in the presence of the Lord this holy God who can stand in the, la- in the presence of the Lord, the holy God. I meditated on the horror mate that met 70 Israelites, and I concluded they died because of the curiosity. I have heard this saying, it is only in English, that the curiosity killed the cat. I don't know why it's only the cat, but I just realized that people too, I mean, curiosity can be, it can be detrimental, it can kill men as well. Of course they wanted to see what was hidden inside the Ark of the Covenant, but when they opened, they could not contain the overwhelming presence of God. For no one can see God and live, and that is in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. But you must be asking, what, was the Ark of, the, of God. What was the Ark of God and what was inside the Ark of the Covenant that they looked, these people looked at and died? The Ark of the, ark of the Covenant was a box overlaid with gold in the most holy place, and inside it, was a vase, or you can call it a big mug um, of a golden, uh, I mean, holding mana. It also had Aaron's staff and the tablets of 10 commandments. To say that it was a box with this, you, you, it was a box, With these items inside, I felt like it is like misrepresenting facts. For behind the veil of the golden manna or the mug that contains manna inside, you know, behind the golden mug that contains manna, and behind. The gold that was on everyone's staff and the tablets behind all that dwelled the glory of God and that God himself. So what will God do with this human curiosity? I asked myself as I was uh, reflecting on this. What will God do with all the questions? that trigger curiosity. Is God unconcerned about this? Not at all. God is very much concerned because he wants to reveal what lies not only in the ark of the covenant, but even what lies Inside the mag, the mag, the manna. If you, some of you have heard about manna, we keep talking about manna. What well, we think is like just meat, isn't it? Most of the times when you read the story of, uh, of Exodus and how God uh, fed the children of Israel. The, the word manna means what is it? What is it? that's what manna means when israel israel was in the wilderness the lord sustained that them he sustained them with this mysterious bread not knowing what it is about what it was they called it manna what is it what is it when jesus fed the 5000 as 5, 000, people, he said, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven, the bread of God in who um, is he uh, who comes uh, down from heaven and gives life to the world. So you must be asking, what does What am I trying to do? What am I trying to say here? And um, what is this, this story about the Bible study we had last Thursday has to do with the story of transfiguration? Well, it was while reading the story of transfiguration and especially all the chapters that preceded chapter seventeen in, Ma- in Matthew, and uh, chapters that preceded chapter nine um, in Mark and Luke, I came to the gospel uh, to the realization that all the gospel writers, John included, were, pre- were preoccupied with the necessity to answer the curious question who is the identity of Jesus? Who is Jesus? What is the identity of this man? When you read previous chapters, you just realize that all of them, they start talking about uh, Jesus, but at some point, there are people, you realize they're either negating the identity of Jesus, I mean, there's God who says, this is my son. But then Satan comes in, for example, and says, if you are a son of God, what is he trying to do? He's not satisfied with what God has said about Jesus. He's casting doubt about the identity of Jesus. But there are also Pharisees and others who are not just doubting but they are opposing it. They are opposing, they are denying the identity of Jesus. And do you remember, this identity of Jesus became um, a point of contest contention that actually led Jesus, uh, led these uh, Pharisees and um, the high priest and all that to conspire and kill Jesus. Why? Because of their identity that they could not accept that Jesus could call himself the son of God. Yet, Jesus' Jesus' identity has already been revealed and when it was revealed, we see it was revealed to everyone And it was only a handful of people who believed in that identity, and who are these? The disciples of Jesus Christ. So the story of transfiguration settles the matter of the identity of Jesus. But it also takes the matter even further to settle the question, The the, the, the thirst of curiosity. Um, so, unlike the people of Beth Shemesh, you remember it's called the land of the sun, Peter, John, and James were taken to a mountain, and there Jesus met. Uh, Jesus, why he, he went there, he transfigured. I was, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't be, when I read something about this transfiguration, I realized, oh, the word used for transfiguration or the verb is metamorphosis. And for me, it was like, what were you talking about? Metamorphosis? But yes, because nature never changed. Whatever they saw, it never changed. And so, Jesus did not change, but God removed the lead that separated the humanity from the divine so that, I mean, the, the, what I can call it. if you look again, trying to have an, a picture of the Ark of the Covenant, what happens is that God removed the lead, which is an outer um, humanity, uh, you know, the outer, what we can see with the naked eyes. And he removed it so that their eyes could see, inner divine reality of Jesus. They saw his face shining like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light. They saw Elijah. He was talking with Jesus. They saw Moses also talking with Jesus. They saw and saw, they saw. They even saw the cloud when coming. And it was while seeing, they began to contemplate. Peter began to contemplate. They said, This is a nice place. We've never seen such a thing before. Jesus, how about staying here? how about us keeping enjoying this presence here? But it was during that time of a contemplation that immediately the clouds came, overshadowed Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, and then the voice came. This is my son whom with whom I am well pleased, listen to him." And when the disciples heard this, they fell down. They fell down to the ground because they were terrified. If, for those who have been here before, you remember Ben talking about the idea of worshiping. What is worship in the understanding of Jewish? in Jewish understanding, it is that prostration, you fall with your face down. It's a, it's, it's, it's a sign of hopelessness. And this is what I see. They fell down. Jesus, after hearing the, the uh, God talking about the identity of Jesus, they fell down. They were they, they they prostrated in the worshiping of Jesus. This it's like saying, "This son of mine is worth worshiping." But Jesus came and touched them. Get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. So, you remember when Jesus, God said, listen, listen. This is my son, this is my beloved son listened to him. I asked myself, what, what is going to be, what is, what, what is Jesus going to say? And I realized that the next thing, at least Jesus said so many things, but the immediate thing that I see Jesus saying is, get up, don't be afraid. Get up. And don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw, no, they saw no one except Jesus. This is a question for you. This is a question I'm posing to you. The question is, is who was this Jesus that they looked at? Who is this Jesus that they looked at. Is he the same Jesus that took them on the top of the mountain? Is he? All their understanding has been illuminated to see Jesus, not in the way they knew him? Absolutely. This is a different Jesus. He's the same Jesus, but their understanding has been transformed, has been changed to see that Jesus is not this man that just walked with them through the land of Palestine but not just Jesus who does miracles, but they have been able to see that Jesus is just divine. And God confirmed it. So I'm thinking, these men are coming back down the, 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 um, uh, the mountain with a changed mind of understanding they saw something and that thing transformed them and so jesus the jesus before they claimed the mountain is certainly not the one they the one that was glorified this, that, that the father in heaven glorified. It is not the one I suppose that they bow before and worshiped. It is sometimes easy to take Jesus, you know, for granted. Because we talk about him, we sing about him, we we study about him. But it is a different thing when the glory of God, when God has chosen to reveal who truly Jesus is, will fall in worship, who will fall in love with him. We will want to know him more and more. So I realized that this, this, this moment is really pivotal in as far as God revealing his people, uh, revealing his son to humanity is concerned. It is a progressive revelation, amen? How did you know Jesus? I realized that I can't claim I have known Jesus because every day there's something new. I, about Jesus. And God is fine with it. God wants us to know that there's a lead that, you know, it keeps revealing, removing so that we can see. And sometimes we cannot contain what we see inside the covenant. When the lead is removed, is too much. Even what he's saying, listen to him. You know, listen as far as the the Jews are concerned. Listening is not enough. You have only listened if you have obeyed. So basically what Jesus, God is telling, um, uh, or telling Peter, John, and James is, obey this man and realize that What Jesus tells us to obey, it's hard, it's so difficult and every time Christ graciously reveals little about himself so that we can continue to remain with him and obey him. The experience that Peter John and James Hard was read enough. It was time to head down the mountains with a new reality revealed Jesus. So when we reflect on the story of transfor- transfiguration, let us not stop marveling the supernatural happening. Because if we stop that, what is happening is like we stop at Jesus' humanity and fail to gaze through the divine identity. So, the story of transfiguration is a historical climax in God's desire to reveal himself to humanity. What did Jesus, what did God reveal not only to those who uh, were still this side of eternity, Peter, John, and James, but also to um, Elijah and Moses. What did he say? He revealed it. He was the Messiah to come. This is my son. This is my son. Worship him. So, it is possible to worship Jesus, like as I said, when we come here and worship him, it's easy to stop at the level where we we know Jesus, okay? We sing him, but not be able to go beyond that and experience the glory that is in Christ Jesus. But what is God's desire? God's desire is that we fully get to know him, get to know his glory. Who is he? He wants us to be overwhelmed. So that even before we pronounce the name of Jesus, the name of the Messiah, we have crossed, we have fallen down. It is hard for us to say it. Just like the awe the Israelite had, they couldn't say the name of of God, Yahweh. They choose to say Yahweh. Ayah. Because it was because of the, the, the weight that the awe of God had for them. So as I conclude, Let us see transfiguration as the historical climax in God's desire to reveal Himself to us. This is good news because the curiosity of approaching Jesus and approaching God was made in Jesus, amen? So that we can not fear to approach him. Just like the people of Beth, uh, Beth Shemesh. Ever since they have been fearing, who can stand before God? But the good news is, God made a way. That through Christ, through Christ, now we can approach the throne of glory. When he died on the cross, what happened? Bah! The Holy of Holies. The, that curtain, that separated the holy, let me call it, the outer physical and the inner divine was removed. Amen? And now we can be able to go through. Why? By the way, that happened only when Christ died. It never happened before. The cutter never, was not torn before his body body was torn. Isn't that good news? That's the good news. But now we can approach the throne of glory. We don't have to fear. Do you sometimes get fear to approach God? Yes, maybe. But that's even a good thing. Sometimes we don't don't even feel like we want to. And we need to address the question, why are we not willing to approach? Is he not friendly? The only way I can know that you're not that friend of mine is by seeing how you relate to me. Maybe you don't want to sit next to me. You don't want to talk to me but if you want to come to me, then I know that you are my friend. That's part of the good news. The other good news is that the divinity of Christ Jesus, the glory of Christ Jesus revealed is not only his, hallelujah, It is for those who believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Let me repeat it again. There's good news that you are the partakers. You have inherited the same divinity, the same glory of Christ because you believed that he is the son of God. This is, this is not my own words, because John, First John chapter 3, um, I mean chapter, yes, chapter 3, First um, John, first letter of John, uh, who also witnessed about Jesus, you know, and his glory. He said, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that, is, and that is what we are. We are the children of God. And, and he, then he goes uh, on to say, dear friend, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So, how do we expect Jesus to come? He's coming. He's coming. How do we expect him to come? Is he coming with the understanding that? Peter and John had when, I mean, when they were together with this body, whatever. No, he's glorified and he's not only just coming to start afresh, he's coming so that with the purpose to make us, to come and glorify us, get a different nature, amen. And uh, the good news is, with this man, it doesn't matter whether you die today. Why? Because tomorrow you will be with Jesus. You will be made. You will be glorified. I can see, all our sisters there. Amen. They are there. Abraham. If God wanted to show Abraham, he would be there. I see Elijah, he's not dead. John, people thought he, he, he has died. He is not, he was shown again, Elijah, I mean. Elijah, John, the Baptist, he's there. What a glorious gift. So let us say a break, that there is a, something God has done for humanity. And everyone who asks who has a curious question, take him to this story of transfiguration. Because all answers, all curiosity find the answer in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as we prepare about your suffering. We want to thank you that you never chose to keep secret about the Father. And in you, We have seen the glory of God. May this glory, this glory of God be the portion of every man and woman sitting here, every man and woman who will hear this this message. Lord, help us to obey the voice of Jesus. Help us to celebrate what Christ has done for us. Help us, Lord, to be ready to be taken to another level of understanding. For you are willing to reveal Christ in a way we have never known before. We give you praise and honour because we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.